0: are the rangers out on otani could the marlins be potential trade partners and to does Wyatt langford or evan carter have a brighter future on today's show we're bringing down all of your questions from this mailbag edition let's get into it you are locked on rangers your daily texas rangers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day You are locked onto the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan, covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked on Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow this show at Locked On Rangers, hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now on today's show, it is a mailbag edition answering all of your burning questions about the Rangers offseason. There's not been a whole lot of movement, not a whole lot of moves on the Rangers part. It's been kind of quiet at this uh, at this juncture in the offseason. Still of. Uh, A few days, about a week away from the uh, winter meetings. So still not a whole lot is happening, but you have burning questions. I have burning answers. So let's get into it without further ado. The first question comes to us from Brian on Twitter. He asks, with the Rangers winning the World Series, does this change their approach to roster building this offseason and moving forward? How aggressive would they be? Now, I think this is a a good question and I think a question a lot of people have is is, you know, now that the Rangers have that you know, that monkey off their back, they've already won their first ever World Series in franchise history, the first championship franchise history, you know, fifty plus years of being in Texas, I think fifty-five or sixty or however many years of just being a franchise in general. It's it's easy to think that, okay, well, now that they've won it all, the impetus to keep going for it, to keep spending money, to keep being aggressive, it might not be there as much. The competitive fire might have been quenched a little bit, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think this team is going to continue to be aggressive, continue to be aggressive in free agency, but the only question about about that, I'll get into it a little bit more on Friday's show, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic talked about this um, in his most recent column about the Rangers possibly having uh, being in jeopardy of their TV deal, um, which the whole Bally Diamond situation is, is something I'll get into um, tomorrow because it is a whole freaking mess. And, and that would be the reason why the Rangers spend less money or why they haven't been as aggressive and haven't signed anybody big just yet. I think the market is also kind of dictating that. But I still think this team is going to be aggressive. and Even if they aren't spending, you know, Two hundred, five hundred million, whatever, however many millions of dollars uh, they have these past couple off seasons. I think they're still going to be aggressive in trades. I think there are still you know top end starting pitchers that the Rangers could go trade for. Whether that's a Corbin Burns, whether it's a Tyler Glass now. I am very hesitant to be in on Shane Bieber. One year of him for the Guardians, who are a notoriously difficult team to trade with. Um, that that scares me, especially all of his peripherals. Even though he is a former Cy Young winner, I'm not that high on Shane Bieber. But Glass now, or um, or Corbin Burns, I would be very interested in making a move for one of those two starters because those guys are absolutely elite when they're on their game. Obviously, would prefer Burns, um, who I believe his one of Cy Young, and it's been, you know, top five, top seven, the last like half decade been one of the best pitchers in baseball for the past half decade. Um, those guys I would be in on, and we'll we'll talk about a potential Marlins trade, um, that was floated uh, in my YouTube comments. And also Ken Rosenthal talked about it uh, in the second segment, but, Bottom line is, I think this is still going to be an aggressive team. I don't think winning the first championship um, means that they're going to step off the gas by any means. I, I think, if anything, it's going to mean that they want to do this again. They know what it feels like to win it all, and they want to go do it again and again and again. And Chris Young is very competitive. The Rangers owner, Ray Davis, is very competitive as well. I mean, all of these these guys in this space are. And so I don't think they're content as content as some of us fans are to say, yep, Rangers won it all. Pack it in. Everything's done. It's fine. Nothing else matters anymore. I think they're like, yeah, we want it and we want to do it again and again and again. So I think they are going to still be aggressive. Maybe not $500 million in a 48-hour span kind of aggressive, but I still think pretty darn aggressive um, in free agency and with trades. Next question comes to us from Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked On. It will be pro- prospects uh congrats Lindsay on crossing i believe it's 5000 subscribers on uh YouTube it's very awesome very exciting Lindsay's got a great show talking about prospects and i believe he talked about Wyatt Langford uh or Some Rangers prospect uh, either um, in today's show or next Monday's show, uh, a mailbag edition. Anyway, Lindsay's question for my mailbag edition is, what's going to happen with Justin Foscue, in your opinion? Is he going to be moved for pitching or stashed in AAA again until there is an infield injury? Now, this is a question I've had about Justin Foscue for a long time. What is going to happen with Justin Foscue? He is one of the Rangers' uh, top position player, top prospects in general. Might crack my top five this year. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he's a very good hitter who walks more than he strikes out. has got some raw power in there. Doesn't really have a defensive position. Um, but stash. I think he's going to be stashed in AAA at this point. If the Rangers can move him for pitching, then I think they will move him for pitching. Um, what that looks like uh, specifically, I'm not entirely sure. I wouldn't be surprised if um, you know he's included in a trade for one of these starting pitchers, like I just mentioned, like a Corbin Burns, like a Tyler Glass now, um, like uh, one of the Marlins pitchers I'm going to talk about in just a second. Um, but I think that's the move because right now, I mean, his primary positions are, well, second base, taken, very taken by a guy who just... Has not been injured at all, really at all, for the almost the entirety of his career. Then his his next position is probably left field, which at this point is probably going to be Evan Carter. If it's not Evan Carter, um, because there's an injury, or I don't know if he just plays poorly, which again, seems absolutely insane. Um, then it'll be Wyatt Langford, or if it's not that, then it's Ezekiel Duran. And then his next position is you know third base, which Josh Young. And behind him, Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith. And maybe even Jonathan Ornelas is ahead of him because Ornelas made his big league debut this year and Justin Foskew did not. I think Foskew is going to be a good big league hitter. I really do. Um, but have you seen the Rangers lineup? Have you Have seen how good it is? is. Have you seen how awesome it is? How deep it is? How talented it is? I'm just grinning from ear to ear. I talked about the Rangers DH options on yesterday's show. And I did mention Foskew very briefly because... I do think he could be a pretty good big league hitter or at least average, the very least average, like for a, you know, defense or offense first kind of guy. Like, I don't think he's going to have like an 850 or 900 OPS anytime in his career, but I think he could be fine serviceable. But I think that the Rangers are going to be looking to trade him for what they can get for him, include him in a package because there's just... I mean, it it sounds arrogant to say, "Wow, there's there's literally no room for this guy who can probably hit pretty well at the big level." But like, there just isn't. There are a lot of guys ahead of him. He's got a good skill set. He's got a skill set that teams could use. Teams like the Marlins or the Brewers, who are desperately in need of offense, I think he could start on either of those teams. You know, probably right now, um, because both of those teams could use several bats, several uh, positions. upgraded offensively, and I think Justin Foscue could definitely give them that. Coming up, we're going to look at uh, Rang- MF Rangers 8's question about uh, the Rangers being out on Otani, and we'll talk a little bit about media literacy and who to trust during these confusing times on Twitter.com. Right for this, word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy, to uses a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. There is plenty of football going on that's about to be college football bowl season, college football playoff season. There's about to be, uh, you know, late season NFL football basketball is in mid season form and, and so is the NHL. There's plenty of things to bet on. So go to visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Shout out to the everyday who making making On Rangers your first list every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be breaking down a little bit of what this Bally situation means for the Rangers, how much they're going to spend this offseason, and just about that whole situation in general. Now, let's get into MF Rangers 8's question. Do you think this report, the Rangers are out on Avtani, is true? Now, there was this thing that I saw circulating Twitter.com in the most recent days, um, especially, um, I guess it was just yesterday. It feels like it was a while ago, um, but this tweet came from a guy called uh, Michael Marino at Marino MLB, whose uh, bio says he is a national reporter, uh, hashtag Buckeye, my reports are my own, and I have 12, or 13, 14 Twitter mutuals who follow this guy. He has a blue check, which in this day and age on Twitter um, is much less reliable than it was in the days of old. Anyway, Michael tweeted this out at 1055 AM on Wednesday. He said, sources, colon, Otani sweepstakes are moving along and the Texas Rangers and at least one team in the AL East has dropped out. Teams feel who, uh, teams who feel they aren't real players are beginning to take themselves out of talks. Uh, He later said, responded to it and says, update, believe the Boston Red Sox are out or at the very least looking elsewhere at the moment. Now, I have literally never heard of this person before in my life. And some of the key things that I look for for, you know, verifying whether a Twitter user is real is is first off the amount of people who I follow who follow this person. I feel like a, a pretty good Judge of the people who I follow have a good judge of of what's true and what's not, and the fact that I have 14 people that are mutuals following this guy is kind of concerning for me. Uh, there are a lot of people quote this, and another key to me, not only having the blue check mark and just he has MLB, his his name doesn't mean that he's accurate. He is a national reporter for who? For who? There is no there is no site, there is no affiliate that he has in his bio. No. Brand that he is with is not with, you know, The Athletic or ESPN or some publication that is trustworthy that has standards for what the reporters can actually push out. This is just a guy on Twitter saying something and hoping that people will believe him. And apparently people did. I'm not buying it. The amount of secrecy around Shohei Otani's free agency is astronomical. There has never been a more secretive free agency. Nobody really knows anything and the people who do aren't saying anything because Otani wants to keep everything secret. He is not going to have teams are not going to be leaking out. Oh, we met with Otani. Oh, we're serious on Otani. Oh, we're this, that, the other, his agency is not going to be leaking out things. Otani himself is not going to be leaking out things. So nobody's going to know anything until basically he is signing the deal. That's how this is going to work. And so don't listen to almost anybody on this news until it breaks officially basically from the team account. I mean, there are several trustworthy sources, uh, who cover the Rangers. I mean, Evan Grant of the Dallas morning news is, is one of the first and foremost in, in my mind, Jeff Sullivan, um, well, he doesn't cover as much anymore. Uh, Jeff Wilson is, is who I think still covers the Rangers um, for, I believe, Rangers Today is his website. Kennedy Landry is covers the Rangers for MLB.com. She is up for, I believe, Texas Sports Writer of the Year. Congratulations to her. And I believe Evan is up for that as well. Levi Weaver it doesn't cover the Rangers full time anymore for the Athletic, but he has plenty of sources around the team. Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic, very trustworthy guy, very trustworthy national reporter. John Heyman is occasionally right on things and he's very well connected. So, um, he's worth listening to. Um, although I I always miss his tweets because he blocked me for, um, dunking on him for, uh, degrading Joey Gallo for no reason. And then of course, Jeff Passan, Jeff Passan is one of the most respected MLB insiders in the sport. Um, knows all sees all hears all. And if anybody knows anything, it's, it's going to be one of those people. And if someone outside that you've never heard of writing for a publication you've never heard of or writing for no publication at all, just claiming to be a national reporter, says something that doesn't mean it's true. It almost entirely often means that it is uh, deeply false and untrue. So hope that helps a way to, you know, peruse Twitter and whatever other place you get your news. Um, Check the source. Check who they are. Check if they are. And actually a truthful person or if they're just throwing crap at a wall for retweets and follows because that's not someone that you can trust anyway let's move on to the next question next question comes to us from uh, my dear dear friend and uh, astros fan uh davion hitton he asks how do i make y'all go away well dex you can't Not at least for another year. Not at least for another year, Astros fans cannot make Rangers fans shut up or go away. There are no comebacks. There is no nothing. There is uh, sitting there quietly and stewing and raging that the team that you hate the most just beat your team. Four games at home, a Game 7 beatdown in front of God and everybody. The whole world saw it. The whole world pointed and laughed and will continue to point and laugh for many, many years to come, hopefully. Hopefully or next year the Rangers and Astros will play again in the ALCS and the Astros will win. And then you will be able to be the ones who are gloating over the Rangers. But, uh, welcome to my world. The last five years of watching the Astros be good while the Rangers were trash. It's not fun. It's not fun at all for you, but it's very fun for me. You know what it's like to be on the other end of the stick. And now you're remembering what it's like to be the little brother yet again. Oh, it's absolutely delightful. So question is how do you make y'all go away? Um, wait a year. Hope your team eventually beats the Rangers in the playoffs because they never have. Um, and hopefully for my sake, they never will. Next question comes to us from Tato. Um, he asked about a potential Rangers and Marlins train of why I didn't include that on my earlier episode. I'm um, talking about potential trade option for the Rangers. Well, frankly, I just didn't really think much of it. I didn't think, uh, I was not that appealed by the guys who were available. For the Marlins, until I looked a little bit more into it, I probably should have looked a little bit more into it because the guys who you think of initially, you think of Braxton Garrett and you think of Jesus Lizardo and Sandy Alcantara, Yuri Perez. That's four guys in the rotation, none of which are tradable. I mean, Sandy Alcantara is... Had Tommy John surgery, so he's going to be out next year anyway. He's got a long-term contract. He's got a Cy Young under his belt. Um, He was very good in the second half. Um, Jesus Lozardo, Braxton Garrett, both of them are 25-year-old lefties with a mid-threes ERA, several years of control, and they were just, frankly, dominant. I mean, Jesus Lozardo had 208 strikeouts last year. He was really good. Yuri Perez is untouchable. He is 20 years old and dominating in the big leagues, granted on a, a limited innings count because he's very young. But that leaves the other guys in the rotation. There is Edward Cabrera, um, and there is also the uh, lefty that—where um, would we go? I just had him just a second ago. Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers is the other guy who the Rangers might be able to uh, trade for. Now, in Ken Rosenthal's most recent piece, he talked about the Rangers being a potential fit of a trade— candidate or a trade partner with the miami marlins uh, cabrera is a 25 year old right right-handed pitcher who has spent uh, three years in the big leagues last year he threw in 22 games 20 of those were starts uh, one out shy of 100 innings 118 strikeouts um but a big walk problem six walks per nine um 10.3 strikeouts per nine Sorry, not 10.3, 10.7 strikeouts per nine last year. A pretty good rate in a 422, 4, 424 ERA um, in those just under 100 innings. Um, but a guy who just, again, the walk problems really really concern me because it's not just last year he's had walk problems for his entire career 5.4 walks per nine in his big league career that's a 401 era in 197 two-thirds innings he's got several years of control five years of team control left until his age 30 season doesn't hit arbitration until 2025 so he's still pre-arbitration but again i mean he's he's tall he's he's seems to be mostly durable. He only threw 100 innings last year, and some of those were in the minors. Does have a really good uh, off-speed value and gets very good ground ball rate, um, a very good uh, you know, expected batting average against, average exit velocity. Nobody's hitting him very hard. They're you know, expanding the zone a decent amount, swinging and missing a, a decent amount. Um, but again, those walk problems are really, really concerning for me. Um, and apparently the Marlins would want Ezekiel Duran, that feels like a bit much for a guy with that many walk problems. I mean, he did have a 301 ERA in 71 and two thirds innings back in 2022. But again, those walks are really, really concerning. I'm a little more high on Trevor Rogers, but he did have a couple of injuries last year. He didn't pitch after April 19th um, because of a left bicep strain, bicep strain, and then a partial tear in his right lat. lat. That is also concerning. um, But Again, the walks aren't as much of an issue with Rodgers. Rogers is 26 years old. Uh, he is a lefty. He is 6'5", a former first-round pick by the Marlins. He's had some pretty darn good years in the past, including 2021 was his best year of his career, 133 innings, a 157 strikeouts, and a 264 ERA in 25 games started. I like that a lot more than the four games that he started this year, or the 23 that he started last year in 107 innings, he had a 547 ERA um, and a one and a half whip. So, um, but again, he's coming off of injury. So, uh, yeah, a little bit concerning there. Um, also has several years of control, three years of control for him, as opposed to five years of control from Edward Cabrera. It's interesting. And I think that Ezekiel Duran is about the starting point of what it would take to get either. Um, I don't know if it might take more to get Dylan Cease. I don't think the Rangers are in on that. But the one-year top-end guys like Glass now um, and Burns, I think that that's about um, where the starting point asks, uh, begins with them. So I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I, I think it's interesting. I'm sure the Rangers are kicking the tires. I would be hesitant to trade Ezekiel Duran for one of those two Marlins pitchers. Even though they've got a lot of team control, um, the injuries are concerning for uh, Rogers and for Cabrera those walks are really concerning. If he can just stop walking, guys, and that'd be great. He'd be an amazing pitcher. Um, But I don't know that the Rangers are going to be able to fix that. Um, Maybe they'll make it a little bit better than six walks per nine. And again, he hasn't thrown 150 innings in the big leagues yet. So um, yeah, a little little bit of concern there coming up we'll look at um a few more questions uh, including talking about my large adult son joey gallo the higher ceiling of evan carter or white Langford, and uh, a special question from the og grant chiller right after this right from our sponsors now let's look at our next question the next question comes for us on youtube from mercazoid duff and they ask, did I miss something? Or is Joey Gallo a free agent and you're not considering him? Well, he has a free agent. He is a free agent. And um, this is the first year that uh, since he's been gone, I guess there's only been you know a couple years since he's been gone, that I haven't really been making my, my hard annual push of bringing my large adult son, Joseph Nicholas Gallo, back. Because, um, well, the Rangers have a lot of good outfielders. They have um, basically their entire lineup Locked up for many years to come. I don't think the Rangers should sign him to be at DH. Um, the only spot it would make sense is if the Rangers wanted to shift Nathaniel Lowe off of first base, coming off a down year where he just won a gold glove, he's a silver slugger as well. I mean, I love Joey Gallo more than almost anybody on this entire earth. Like, I'm not saying it's more than his parents, but it's it's maybe more. But he's coming off a, a bad season, two bad seasons, and uh, where he was... He was Joey Gallo. He was not the good version of Joey Gallo. I mean, he was his OPS plus was was average at a 741 OPS uh, last year with the Twins, 111 games, just 332 plate appearances. So um, yeah, he wasn't starting as many games as I thought he would. He had 21 home runs, um, a 301 on base percentage, which is below his, his career average, hit 177, which is very Joey, struck out at a high rate, 142 strikeouts. That's typical Joey honestly. Um, and uh, yeah, he had some injuries that he missed some time with as well. Um, didn't play as much as I thought he would in Minnesota. I, I thought he would really get a lot more at bats that he did. Um, but his approach was very much the Minnesota approach of, you know, swing hard, swing for the fences, hit a bunch of bombs, strike out a bunch don't hit for a bunch of average um and he didn't walk he walked at a a decent rate um but you know 44 walks in 332 plate appearances um that's kind of typical Joey gallo rate um and i think i do really think that the rangers could fix i mean they had the best hitting staff i think hitting coaching staff in baseball i i really think they could make him back to the hitter he was um back in you know 2019 and 2021, when he was an All-Star in both of those years. I mean, 2021 with the Rangers, he had 869 OPS and a 379 on-base percentage. I mean, he led the league in walks and led baseball in strikeouts that year. That is a typical Joey Gallo season at 38 home runs that year. I mean, he's had multiple seasons of 40 or more home runs, um, multiple seasons of 35-plus home runs. I mean, even in 2019 when he only played in 70 games, he had 22 bombs then. I mean, he's a valuable hitter. But, again, the Rangers' offense is just – it breaks my heart to say that it just don't really have room unless you kind of shoehorn him in in different places, which the Rangers could do. But, again, I don't think they're going to. I mean, I would love it personally. Um, but, unfortunately, I feel just dirty even saying this. It doesn't it doesn't make sense for the Rangers to go out and pursue bringing Joey Gallo home. I, I don't think you all understand how much it breaks my heart to say that. But, yeah. Um, it's true, unfortunately. I would love it, but again, I don't think the Rangers are uh, necessarily pursuing it unless unless a lot of things change uh, real quick. I do still think he could be great, and I think he will be great. I hope I am rooting for him at every step of the way. But for the Rangers, it doesn't really make sense. And it sucks uh, for me personally and for him that, it, that he wasn't here on this first Rangers championship team. Now, next question comes to us from Matt. He asks, who has a higher ceiling, Evan Carter or Wyatt Langford? Now, this is a very difficult question, and one I'm going to have to wrestle with in my top prospect rankings, which will probably come out sometime in January when there's nothing else to talk about. So I will be diving into prospects then, um, and probably not until then, because I'm hoping there will be some movement and some free agent moves that the Rangers do, or trades or whatever. Um, but in terms of, of ceiling, um, this is a tough question. because Both these guys have incredibly high ceilings, and um, White Langford has yet to make his Major League debut, and Evan Carter... Was the everyday left fielder and third baseman, uh, basically every day, uh, on a World Series winning team in the playoffs, and hitting third as a 21 year old, newly 21 year old, and so it's hard to look at what Evan Carter did. I mean, look what he did in, in the regular season. He hit 307, 413 on base, 645 slugging percentage, a a 1059 OPS, and. 182 OPS plus, like he hit for power, he stole three bags, and he only, he had a 1.6 baseball reference for in just 23 games. He was nuts. But again, the underlying data, the strikeouts were, were way up there. For a guy being as patient as he is, um, the strikeout rate was, you know, bad. 32% strikeout rate, 30.2% uh, whiff rate. The chase rate was elite, but he was swinging and missing that much on stuff in the zone. It's not great. And the numbers against lefties were, were also very bad. Sprint speed was, you know, top 4% of all baseball. He's faster than I thought he was played really good defense out there in left field and center field, whenever he played it. Um, But you look at what Wyatt Langford did in the minors. I mean, he was incredible 8 1157 ops in 200 played appearances 10 home runs 17 doubles two triples uh 12 stolen bases just three times caught stealing and more walks than strikeouts i mean he had you know significantly more walks than strikeouts in florida as well I and mean, played basically a 100 games this year um 100 and eight games total. Um if you combine what he did at in the minor league levels and in Florida, he had 31 home runs, five triples, uh let's see, 45, I believe, doubles. Yeah, 45 doubles and I believe hit somewhere in the neighborhood of 368 with a 4.90ish on base and slugged like 720. Like it's just bonkers for a guy to do that for a full season. Defensively, I think he'll be fine in left field. Doesn't have the same defensive upside as Evan Carter. Not quite as fast, but still very fast and very good on the base pass. I mean, both of them have an elite eye, and uh, I think that Evan Carter might strike out a bit more, and he's got the, the holes in the swing against lefties so far. I think he'll figure that out. I think Evan will be fine against lefties. Um, but the, the raw power and the insane swing decisions that Wyatt Langford displayed in his first year of pro ball I think they make that ceiling a little bit higher. I mean, he's still got the speed. I mean, the defense being, you know, above average defensively in left field versus potentially very good in center field is, uh, you know, a, a big boon in uh, Evan Carter's favor. On the base paths, I think they mo- might both be, uh, you know, bad as successful, about as aggressive as each other. Um, but the power upside, and I, I think the batting average might be a little bit higher um, for White Langford. Um I think offensively his ceiling is just ungodly high for White Langford. So for that reason, I think that uh, he might have the slight edge in ceiling in terms of floor. Um, well, I think both of their floors are like very good everyday big leaguers, which is an insanely high floor to have for two guys who are uh, well, one just turned 22 and one just turned 21, um, and the 21 year old is already a World Series champion, which is just Bonkers again to say, um, but yeah, I think that White Langford has a slight edge on upside, but it is very very close, and you don't have to pit them against each other. They're both Texas Rangers for probably at least six seasons um, for both of them, because I cannot imagine a single world where the Rangers would con- a single trade for the Rangers would consider trading either of them. Like there, there's just like not a guy that exists that would be traded that the Rangers would trade either of those guys for. So I think Wyatt Lingford has a slightly higher ceiling. Evan Carter might have a slightly higher floor, especially since he's already doing it in the big leagues. Um, but again, they're both going to be very, very good. Uh, maybe hitting right next to each other in the Rangers order for many years to come either way. Um, still two incredibly good prospects to have. And the last question comes to us from a uh, longtime caller, Guest on the show, frequent guest, friend of the show, Grant Schiller. He asks, who won the World Series? That was a difficult question. I had to do a lot of research for this. I went and watched uh, highlights of, of many playoff games. It appears the Texas Rangers, uh, they lost their division on the last day, but they did still make the playoffs. Um, they won uh, five games in a row to start their playoffs. They they went on the road to Tampa Bay, and they they swept them in the wildcard series, and they swept uh, the Baltimore Orioles, and they played – Uh, the Astros, and they won the first two games of that series. So a seven-game winning streak to start their playoff run, which was uh, pretty impressive, honestly. Then they lost three straight at home, and they won the next two, and they made it to the World Series where they faced off against the Arizona Diamondbacks, a a very good Diamondbacks team, very scrappy. Rangers won the first game of that series. Then they lost, and everyone thought, oh, well, this Rangers team is actually not very good. But then the Rangers would go on to win the next uh, three straight games, and the Texas Rangers are actually... The World Series champs. I know a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people have forgotten. This was uh, a few weeks ago that this happened, but it, it's still true. The Rangers are the reigning World Series champs and will be for at least another 11 months. Oh, what a run it was. What a run. It is World Series champs, you can see on my uh flag. In case you ever forget, it'll be right there. Also, this little friendship bracelet that says uh, champs. I don't know if you can read that on if you're watching on youtube um but texas rangers are indeed world series champs i'm I'm glad that i could do the research to uh, bring grant Schiller an answer that he would find acceptable and acceptable to all the rest of you thank you all so much for listening and subscribing and until next time don't forget to enjoy world series champion texas rangers baseball